Today, the OneCast is joined by Will Harkins, who finished second in Angler of the Year points in 2023 for the National Professional Fishing League. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What's going on, fans of the one cast? I know Pete was getting ready to jump in there. We are glad to have you back. We're glad to have Ben back yep. from his awesome vacation overseas in, well, I say overseas, but I guess it's Hawaii. So, but I mean, it's kind of overseas. <laughs> it, it's a it long definitely ways is. to get there. I yeah. But before we jump into it, Ben, did you have a great vacation? Yeah, it was a great time. The weather was amazing. First time being there. So, I uh, got the opportunity to go over to Pearl Harbor, which is outstanding. Go go out to the Arizona. So I wasn't going to travel that far and not and not go see that. And then we spent a week on the Big Island. So it, the coolest thing is like there's eight different climate zones in the one island. So you drive like 20 minutes and it's completely different terrain and vegetation. So hmm. definitely fun to kick back. Uh, basically cut off for the world for about a week, but I've uh, been back a couple of days and grinding again. So back at it. <laughs> uh, that's right. Being cut off from the world. Think that, you, you know, thank everyone. Uh, for your support to uh, one cast fishing and and now that you're grinding it uh, you know guys Christmas is right around the corner head on over to onecastfishing.com use the code the one cast you're going to save some money at checkout and gr- get some of those great stocking stuffers such as the uh, the snagless jigs you want to join the snagless revolution check those out all the varieties are there all the colors soft plastics are back long neck hooks weedless neds those are definitely awesome for crushing those fish in the winter time when they're lethargic so head on over to onecastfishing.com use the code the one cast and save some dollar bills pete dollar, what dollar is bills, good? You know? <laughs> not much man been hunting ain't been fishing uh we did hang out at cashing trey came for a little bit hung out at cashing on saturday they had their uh, customer appreciation event so ate some barbecue Listen to some testimony and stuff from the Boys and Girls Club. Flipped, uh, flipped into some cups. <laughs> Talked to John Cruz and uh, Mike Corbishley, who were both there. Hung out with them for a bit. So it was a good event. Had fun. Got to meet a couple fans. Uh, got to talk to one a guy in your neighborhood that lives in your neighborhood um, for quite a while. Who actually used to build machines for a living and said, "If you have any questions, let them know." So uh, <laughs> I'll send you his name. He yeah, do you right remember his name? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it was a good time, man. It's good to get out and see folks. There was somebody there. I think it was Zach Van Voorhees mm. was there with one of our hats on, and I never got a chance to talk to him. He was chasing. Oh, his, I did see. He was him chasing there. his uh, his kid around, and I think he had his wife or fiance. I'm, I'm, I didn't look to see if he had a ring, so I apologize. Uh, there with him, didn't get a chance to talk to you. So if that was you, Zach, I apologize. Um, it was crazy. We had it, a ton of people. Left. It looked like a great event. I I was seeing the photos as I was on the airplane on the way back. I think. I was over Montana or something when I saw him. <laughs> yeah, and working class outdoors. Ravon, you know, yeah. Ravon was there, hooked a train up with some deer jerky and which some I deer ate, sausage like that day. Yeah, I got to give a huge shout out to him, man. Like that's that's the so not only to him but everybody, right? Like this is why we have this show and it it's opened the doors to meeting great people. And like you're about to hear, we're gonna bring Mr. Will Harkins on and he's gonna he's gonna wrap with us a little bit. But like it's opened some great doors for us to just meet great people in the industry and continue building that culture. And uh, I'll tell you, the guys at work, Ravon, from Working Class Outdoors, the guys crushed that deer sausage. So it was definitely well-received and, and an early little Christmas present for the one cast. So much yeah. appreciated. But yeah, It was a nice surprise. Make sure you uh, make sure you check them out, Working Class Outdoors on Instagram. Bass and Through is another one. We're going to throw a couple names out there. Check him out. Uh, Rick Rick put some videos together and tagged us in it. So 
appreciate all that support. Um, I'm going to get out of the way now. Wherever you're listening, like, comment, subscribe, leave a message, uh, join our community on Facebook, get involved in the conversation. We are giving sneak peeks of shows to come and, and the opportunity for y'all to give us some input. So that's right. Check that out. But without wasting any more time, let's go ahead and bring on. Let's Will. bring him on, dude. Let me see if I can figure this out. What's up, guys? What's going on, Will Harkins? You are not in Georgia right now. Is that correct? I actually am. I'm on the Georgia-North Carolina line. Right okay. Here. All right. So you're hanging out. We talked about it a little bit before the show. You're hanging out at Lake Chatoog doing some fishing. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Just up okay. here camping for the week, um, doing a little bit of fishing. That's awesome, man. Well, cool. We appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, I know we talked when we were down, uh, you know, with Brad and Paul and your guys' final event at Lake Lanier, which you did an awesome job at, and we definitely want to recap on that. Uh, but we got this uh, we got this set up and appreciate Pete coordinating all this. So um, thanks for taking the time to jump on with us. And for all the fans and everyone listening, you know, there's a lot of people that are new listeners and stuff. So if you can just kind of introduce yourself to the fans and everybody, uh, where you came from, how you got into fishing, and then uh, what you're currently doing now would be greatly yeah. appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great getting to know you guys at uh, Lanier as well. Um, but for everyone, I'm Will Harkins. Um, I'm from, born and raised Blairsville, Georgia. Um, so we're about 20 minutes from there over in Hawassi. Um, so I've, I've grown up here all my life. Uh, my grandpa started me fishing. He took me on his boat when I was three years old. Um, it was the first time he took me out. And so ever since then, I've just fallen in love with it, whether it's bass fishing, trout fishing, you know, whatever it may be, as long as I can wet a hook, um, I am, I'm there for it. Um, so kind of got into, you know, tournament fishing in high school, later junior, senior year, uh, carried that on into college uh, at Young Harris College. So I graduated there this last May uh, with a degree in economics. Um, so I can count how much money I lose fishing. <laughs> um, <laughs> do a good job keeping track of that right yes absolutely yeah um so yeah i just kind of carried it on and jumped on with the npfl guys this year uh for an awesome 2023 season so. yeah first year with the league I, you had two second places so i think both of them were to patrick so i, I guess if you're gonna finish second to somebody it might as well be patrick walters who's been winning everything uh and finished second in aoi so obviously every other tournament you were super strong in as well yes sir so, yeah i finished second one was actually behind uh or we tied with mr louis fernandez uh for the win okay. and he ended oh that's right breaker. yeah so that's i finished right. third to patrick at santee as well so that was okay yeah. i knew there, there was a couple close calls with him and then i forgot about the tie and it came down to that comes down to big fish the first tiebreaker and uh heck of a, a rookie year but i mean it's not like it's your first time fishing big tournaments i i if I remember correctly, and I, I looked, it's been a couple of days, but I think you had a second in AOI in the BFLs, a third in AOI in the BFLs, and then another top 10 AOI in the BFLs. National, yes, sir. National championship qualifier in college via a win, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And then did you fish anything in high school? Yes, sir. So fish just same thing, a lot of MLF events um, as well as regional events uh, for MLF um, with their high school stuff. So. Okay. That kind of got me into the the bigger tournament, so to speak. Yeah, I think college. Do you do you think college is a good a good uh, prep prep circuit for those bigger tournaments? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you look at the Bassmaster College guys right now. I mean, there's 
they're capping out every tournament, 250 boats. Um, so it really focus or it makes you be a better fisherman, you know, competing against all those guys. And there are some absolute hammers in college, um, you know, unbelievable guys over there. Um, so it kind of, you know, you've got to look and work on the little things is what kind of sets you apart in such a big field. Um, so it definitely helps prep you for uh, these bigger tournaments. With with the college circuits, and and I don't know, honestly, I, you know, out of curiosity, do you have a coach that is in charge of all the anglers in the collegiate level? So it depends on where you go to college. Um, I know a lot of colleges do. Young Harris, we had a school liaison. Um, so he kind of gave us permission to go. But then my partner and I would kind of sit down, look at the schedule, look at the funding um, and kind of make our own schedules and everything in regards to where are we traveling, you know, how much school can we afford to miss um, and such as that. But it, it all kind of depends where you go. And with the with the faculty, like all the professors and stuff, do they because let's be honest, we all know if you go to a Big Ten or an SEC, you know, school or something like that, like football players, nobody can deny this. They get a lot of like favors, you know, but when it comes to the angling side of the house, like how is balancing like, you know, practice and tournaments and stuff with with your classes? Do they give you a lot of like latitude? Uh, so you always get a funny look when you, when you come up and tell a professor, Hey, I'm going to miss school because of fishing, you know, cause that's something <laughs> yeah. that especially around here is not a, not a known thing, you know, football, soccer, all that stuff, you know, that's, that's typical, but fishing, they're like, ah, I don't know about that one. Um, so you definitely have to, as long as you, you know, go in advance, uh, kind of run them through what you're doing, who is it with, uh, they they really worked with you, or at least with me at uh, at Young Harris College. So we couldn't miss, you know, a ton of school. But I think they allowed us two weeks or something. Okay. Um, without, you know, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Like, uh, you know, when you look at like Texas and Alabama, like they bleed football, but they also bleed like bass fishing is in the blood in those states. And I would think the same for, you know, like the Carolinas and Georgia and stuff like that. But maybe it's, uh, maybe this is how we are growing. The sport is by influencing like faculty to give us time off to go fishing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you think locally, like being in North Carolina, we know like <laughs> NC state has a team. You don't really hear a ton about it. You don't hear a ton about UNC's team, but then you get a Clemson and yeah. some of the names that have come out of there. Yes, right. So it probably is kind of re regional a little bit. I don't know. What's George? I mean, you're not too far from Georgia. Do they have a, a fairly big fishing program, the University of Georgia? Uh, so, so Georgia, it's got a few guys. Um, I know probably six or seven years ago, it was it was a lot bigger than it was now. Um, so it's kind of slowed down, uh, but it's still not not a, not like a Clemson or a Montevallo or anything. Yeah, Auburn's another one that has a huge yeah. a huge team. So you, you, you mentioned something kind of interesting there. You know, you have a liaison that helps you work with the school and all that. And then you talked about funding. Where In college, obviously that's not a, a college-sanctioned sport. You're not a technically like a school team. I mean, I know you rep your school. Is that correct? Yes, sir. No, you're, you're correct with that. So wh where where does the majority of that funding come from? Do you have to do your own fundraising or or, or how does that work? Are there, are there scholarship programs out there or? You know, like, do some of the companies help college teams to be able to afford to do that? Yes, sir. So, in short, Young Harris, uh, they kind of set up a bank account for us. Um, but 
that's something that we would, we raise funding for, you know, half of the winnings that we get from tournaments go back into that fund. Um, so a lot of that was, was self-funding. Okay. Man, I'd be lobbying with the football teams. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, listen, <laughs> you don't need new shoulder Let me pads, get some son. of that budget. I need yes. a new bait caster. <laughs> no, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, we partnered with uh, several companies. You know, Boo Garcia uh, was one, Pure Fishing. So they, we got a lot of baits and all from them, you know, once a year shipment of stuff. Um, but as far as that goes, you know, that was more product-based versus your, your funding. So yeah. all the funding came through us. Hmm. That's tough. So you, you graduated, uh, with your, with your bachelor's in economics. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. How, how has that besides, uh, showing you how much money you have, I don't know, spent or donated. lost or donated, uh, to the cause, um, you know, talk us through how your, your college education and, and, you know, having that discipline to finish that out while still fishing, how has that benefited you? fishing the MPFL. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, economics is kind of applicable in every part of life. You know, you've got, especially fishing, you've got your tournament entries, your funds, your, your traveling, your lodging. Um, there's a million things that go into it. So to kind of be able to sit down and allocate, uh, your needs versus your wants, you know, do I really, I want this new big cash spinning rod, but you know, I need a house at the next event too. Um, so it kind of makes you, you know, have, make smarter decisions, obviously, um, with fishing and kind of, and I, I guess the biggest players when it comes to, uh, sponsorships, um, is kind of, you know, part of economics is the allocation of resources and marketing. Uh, so kind of learning to market yourself as well and kind of value that worth, uh, for companies is, is definitely helpful. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, when it comes to saying, you know, describe your value proposition to me. Like if I'm a sponsor or a partner and stuff, like I'm going to ask you to explain that. How are you going to uh, benefit me and give me a, a return on investment, whatever the case may be? Um, has anybody given you a nickname on tour yet? Mr. Luke Duncan uh, gave me the, the Harky, the Harky dance. The Harky yeah, dance. <laughs> so, you know, Patrick, you know, Walter's. Yep. What's his? Uh, Dream Crusher, obviously. Dream Crusher. I, okay, because I've yes. always referred or uh, heard him referred to as Coach Coach Walters, right? Yep. Yes. But I'm yeah, I'm he, looking at I'm looking at young Mr. Will Harkins here, and I'm like, Professor Harkins, dude. <laughs> 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 Professor Harkins, like he's gonna school you on economics. That's he's gonna right. show you how to prioritize finances, and when it comes to negotiation, he's gonna say. Here's your value proposition. So we coined that term. Don't let Luke Duncan steal that from us, <laughs> Professor Harkins. Yeah, yeah, I like that one a lot better. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, gave me the Harky after I did some sort. Of, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> the Harky so I don't know where dance, it came man. from. That is that. So you 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 have a family that's a hundred percent behind you uh, in this sport, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I could not do it without them. Um, just the sacrifices and the time off. Um, outside of fishing, I work with my dad, so he's my boss too. Um, so he, he lets me, you know, if I need a day off to go fishing or go fish this tournament or whatever, super flexible, you know, he'll, he'll drive me, he'll fund me, he'll, he'll do everything he can to make it happen. So it's, it's right. been awesome. What do you, what do you do with your dad? Uh, so he owns a couple, uh, con companies, uh, construction would be the primary one, home maintenance, uh, property management. Um, so a little bit of everything. Okay. 
I mean, that's good, man. Having that, that foundation. Cause you know, we, we talk to a lot of professional anglers and even at the local club level level, it's like a lot of gambling happens, you know, uh, you're gambling with finances and logistics and everything else. So having something to fall back on, um, is pretty critical. And I think that's what you see with a lot of these anglers and we'll, we'll get into that later, but, um, and I don't want to steal the thunder here, but I, I did want to ask like, what, what was the, what was the mentality through school? What was your, your overall goal or maybe your, your, your different objectives that you wanted to meet along the way? Like why the league? Yeah. So, uh, you know, coming into this year, um, a guy kind of pointed me towards the NPFL, um, I was like, no, there's, there's no way I'll, I'll compete. No way I can, I can do that. You know, 32,000 in entry fees plus travel. Um, I didn't even have a, you know, I had an older boat at the time. Um, I was like, there's just no way to make that work. Um, but you know, I, I'm a big believer in God's purpose. Um, so, I mean, things just fell into place that, that she wouldn't believe to allow it to happen. Um, so going through school, you know, fishing was not my main priority. You know, I, I never once did I think I could I could compete or make a living um, at the level that you need to. Um, so you know, I was I was more or less learning for a job for a career, um, and so I, I I took the leap of faith with the, the NPFL, um, and so now I couldn't see couldn't see myself sitting in an office or doing anything different. <laughs> So it's like, who, who says it? Like, uh, they, they introduced you to crack. Was it James Watson? He was like, oh, they're crack fiends, man. They just can't stop. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the MPFL is a, is a great place to be. Is it the only place you want to be or, or are there other aspirations? Honestly, I don't know. Um, each year is, is new and exciting and I'm open to any opportunities. Um, you know, MPFL has, has obviously been, uh, my my platform my kick jump uh for this so i, I wouldn't see myself leaving in anytime soon um but like i said when opportunity when opportunity comes knocking i'm more than open to to make the jump i like that man well you almost held that that gold shield up and maybe we'll see that for you next year i'm gonna turn it over to these guys because i keep talking so yeah i mean i i think it's it's awesome you know that you were able to put it put it together and things fell into place like it so often does when we're, we're chasing dreams and you know the support of the family and obviously a boat a boat came around and you know the sponsorship dollars kind of start to fall into place and mm-hmm. certainly you've proven your value i mean i i you're you're 20 correct 20 years old 22 just 22, 22. I, knew, I knew you were you know pretty young by by comparison to a lot of people that compete but up on stage at, at Lanier, listening to you talk and the thing you said, man, you, you probably get tired of hearing it, but you have, you have like that old soul kind of like yeah. super calm and collected and not like I've been here before, but you didn't seem to get too excited, you know, kept a nice level head. And I think that that's huge when it comes to, to being successful. And I think you've definitely proven uh, that you belong coming in your, your first year and finishing second AOI and, and several top tens and, you know, made a little bit of money, which is always good. Um, so, uh, super excited to see that continue. Um, so, you know, you fish college, you fish high school, Ben, you got anything on the college stuff? I'm kind of starting to move. We're moving ahead a little bit. Well, I, I was going to include college because my question, my question is, cause you, this is your first year in the NPFL, obviously fishing college, fishing BFLs, but this is a, a higher level competition. The stakes are certainly higher when you look at the, look at the payouts, you're traveling a whole lot more. 
which means a lot more finances involved. Yes. So kind of where'd you going into the year now that you've completed it, were there any surprises or what were the things you learned the most that you maybe weren't prepared for your first year, but now going into the second year, um, you just maybe it calms you down a little bit and you go from second place to first place in England, you know, AOI next year. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, the first two events is what cost me AOI. Uh, the first event, you know, I was a ball of nerves, you know, first level at this tournament, it was on Pickwick. So the very first day, you know, I, I about ditched everything in practice. I ended up fishing both dams in one day. So, you know, they're 50 miles apart. <laughs> hey, I've done that so I, <laughs> Just start running all over the place. I feel that in my soul. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 When in doubt, you cover more water than anyone else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I ended up, I think, 28th there. Um, and then Wright Patman, I was actually in the hospital on our off day. Um, I don't know what was up. Some food sickness or something happened. So I really wasn't even going to fish the event. Um, but I woke up the, the tournament morning and I was like, I gotta, I gotta just try it. So I ended up, I think 22nd there for the week, um, in Texas. So then, you know, that after those first two events, you kind of get it under your, under your feet a little bit, you know, you know, what's up, you know, how these guys are doing, you know, how to fish a three day event was the biggest change I had to learn, you know, how to manage fish and all. So going into those last four events, um, I definitely kept a more level head and just put my head down and just went and had fun most of all. Um, you know, fish the way I wanted to fish, that I love to fish, um, and made it happen. So so that definitely helped as the year progressed. What was your what was your toughest event in twenty three? What was your worst finish? Uh twenty eighth at Pickwick. Oh darn. Dude, I mean, you're a hammer, man. I mean, like, it's pretty good at the first event of the year is your worst one. You just keep going up from there. I mean, yeah. So, so as a young angler going into, you know, the league, like I'm sure it was intimidating. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're a lot older than you and stuff. As far as being a young angler walking into that, and I know Hayden Hammond, he's really young as well. Um, how were you received by all the anglers in the league? Yeah. So, I have yet to meet a guy that I, I don't like on the league. You know, they are all super welcoming, super awesome. You know, they'll give the shirt off the back to you. Um, and namely the, the directors, Brad, Paul, Al, Sean, you know, all these guys will, will do anything for you. So it was, I say this a lot, but it's truly a family atmosphere with them. Um, so it makes, you know, it made that transition super easy um, after I kind of got past my own mental blocks um so to speak but yeah all those guys are so awesome um you know they're willing to help out any way that possible um so it, it's definitely such an awesome trail so i mean ben asked the question and and i'm kind of rewinding here but to kind of caveat like what he asked about you know uh preparation and stuff for 2024 um you know you talked about going in the hospital but you're like no what yeah i'm gonna fish this next one Anything outside of the fishing aspect? Was there things that you learned like logistically with Airbnbs, vehicles, maintenance, things like that, that you weren't prepared for? Yeah, so definitely. Um, you know, the first few events, I didn't have a, a spare prop in the boat. You know, that was so I've learned the mechanics a little more what to do when your electronics shut off. You know, so I got an extra prop in the boat now. Just little things like that that you wouldn't really think of going into it. But I realized really quick how much more knowledge that you needed of, 
of the mechanics of electrical, um, just, you know, everyday stuff. Um, and then how to, how to choose your, your place of stay, um, yeah. you know, just make sure it's safe areas, um, well lit, things like that. So just a lot more study time into it, uh, than I had originally done. Yeah. I can tell you that, uh, we made a, made a huge, well, I didn't make, we didn't make a huge mistake, but, um, you're absolutely right. Like when we met you guys down at Lanier, um, I stayed with, you know, Billy Hackworth and, and Josh Watkins and John Branch and uh, Josh's wife that night uh, before Ben and Pete came into town. And the house that they had rented was, from an aerial view, fantastic looking. But as soon as you pulled up to it, and I'm sure you probably saw this at Lanier, a lot of those driveways were at like a 45 plus degree angle which made it extremely challenging. So therefore you had to adjust your boat and park it on the side of the road. Now you don't have the, the, the extension cords you need to get the power to your batteries, so on yeah. and so forth. And I think those are the things that, you know, we like to ask those questions because there's a lot of guys and gals that aspire to fish multi-day events, but there's so much logistics that go back into it. And the same thing you said about security. I mean, like a well-lit environment that's maybe not off the main highway where there's a constant break-ins and stuff that happen. Those are yeah. things to take into consideration. And th that's the kind of information that we like to use to, to continue to grow this environment. And it's great to get that out there because there's, there's nothing worse because it's happened before for me with me before show up to a hotel there's no outlets there on the outside that's right you know yeah. so you you know you learn the lesson the hard way you get a call beforehand and be like hey do you have outlets on the outside or can i park up front or something so yep. it's always so folks out there listening uh, or watching if if you're getting into this game you know it's the little things that they can can go a lot smoother for you yeah i don't stay in hotels when i travel oh i'll never stay in one there's, again just because of the, the traffic it the, the Plug, but plugs for power. There's a ton of foot traffic around hotels. It's just, I never feel as secure as I can if I can back into a driveway and and do that. And I mean, there's so many Airbnbs everywhere now. Like, mm -hmm. unless you're fishing a big 300 boat tournament, which it's going to get tougher for y'all with more anglers now. You know, there's gonna be more competition for those places. But um, my my suggestion to everybody is, oh, what's people ask, what's a good hotel to stay in? I say an Airbnb. <laughs> Don't stay in a hotel because you're going to get yeah. broke into probably, yeah. especially around our lakes. So our lakes tend to be in not the greatest areas. Uh, so when we travel, we always try to do that. But, you know, I, I you brought up something interesting, like the spare prop. You know, those are lessons that I, I learned early on. And I guess took for granted being a bit older, thinking like, you know, I always have a spare. I carry three spare props for my trolling motor because yeah. I've broke two in a tournament before. Um, but what I, I really I want to get back to fishing. And you, you know, you brought up learning about managing fish over a three-day tournament. So, what what is your fish management mentality in a, in a three-day tournament like that? Yeah, so it depends on on the lake, obviously. Um, so, like a Lanier, I'm going to burn down every spot I've got every day. <laughs> yeah, it's just full of fish. Uh, you're you're never going to outfish them. Um, so, you know, in practice, I'll, I'll catch them. You know, I don't I don't care. Um, just because I've, I've been there a million times and I know what spotted bass do, um, you know, places that I'm not sure about, like, like a right Patman, um, like those are places that you've got to be very careful because you rarely catch a, a fish in the same spot twice. Um, you know, there's not schools, there's not anything like that is you're fishing individual fish. Um, so it's definitely a learning curve at each lake that you go to. Um, 
so I would, so, I mean, like I said, it, it all depends. I, um, I think that's, that's a good answer. That that's kind of, you know, you hear people talk about like, Oh, I, I don't jack them at practice. And there's, there's lakes where you don't like, there's lakes I don't even practice on anymore because it's never the same the next day. Um, but Lanier, I, I learned that pretty quick. You know, I spent a day day with Hunter Bogman and it was like I caught all my fish in the same six spots. And it's then you kind of learn, oh, well, these fish just reload. Like, and I've never seen anything like Lanier. I've never seen so many brush piles and dang fish in my life. It is it was, a brush pile. It, yeah, Lanier is just a big brush pile, the whole lake. It's a deadly brush pile <laughs> with a lady that lives in the lake. <laughs> but um it, it where it becomes is like you were talking like a right patman where and especially mm-hmm. when you were all were there this year because it was super high like it was up in the bushes mm-hmm. the fish were even more spread out than they normally are in a body water like that so like in that event in practice were you were you not catching fish were you shaking fish off or was it roll into an area catch one and then leave say okay they're they're kind of focusing on this type of brush or they're doing this because i know you said it was a bad tournament but you still finished you know, 20 seconds. So it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. Yeah. So a place like that, the first day, you know, new Lake never been there before. Didn't pre-practice anything like that. The first day I'm going to catch fish. Yeah. Just to see the quality, just to see, you know, the areas, how, how they bite. Um, so the first day of an event, I will catch some. Um, now after that first, the next two days, once you kind of get an idea what to look for, um, you know, I'm going to cut the hooks off. I'm going to bend them over. I'm not, I'm just going to shake them off. Um, so the biggest thing I want to know the quality, I want to know how they bite because how they bite is, is different too. Uh, you know, are they thumping? Are they running with it? Or what are they doing with it? So that'll kind of tell you a lot of things. Um, but then after that, I will shake fish off. Strengths and weaknesses. And I know, you know, you grew up in the, in the college college fishing realm and stuff and, and a lot of anglers are asked us like what what would you consider yourself uh an offshore fisherman or a shallow water guy or the third is like i'm well-rounded in all of them yeah so i i would love to say offshore um that's pretty much strictly what i do around here you know chateau glenier hartwell all these places offshore fanatic you know i love live scope i caught them on live scope i think everywhere that we went this year um, even right Patman, I had some brush piles, you know, and half my fish came out of those. Um, so definitely an offshore fanatic, but the one event that did surprise me this year was Saginaw. Um, I never turned a graph on all day and still, fit, I think finished seventh or something. Um, so that was definitely different. Um, but I, I love the change too. I love shallow water fishing. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid to get out of the boat and push the boat around. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I will catch them however they want to bite. But definitely offshore would be my primary go-to. You know, I asked that question because, you know, with the the whole world being on fire, the whole bass fishing world being on fire with forward-facing sonar debates and stuff like that, and, and we don't really get into that debate, but I think it's interesting. There's a lot of people that believe that the younger generation of angler is going to be very well-versed at technology but are going to be missing that OG type of skill that flipping pitching skipping fishing shallow uh you know frogging all that stuff do you do you think that's the case with a lot of the younger anglers moving into the ranks i really don't um i mean 
just look at the college guys. They they will catch them whether they're in six inches of water or sixty feet of water. You know these guys are are good. Uh, yes, a lot of these younger guys, especially me, I've grown up through high school, college with live scopes. So that's always been um, you know a part of my uh, my stash, so to speak. Um, but like I said, you've got in this game you have to be so versatile too. You've got to be willing to turn those graphs off. You've got to be willing to do other things because um, a lot of times, you know, depending where you go, especially Florida, you know, graphs, you don't need them. You don't need live scope. So you've got to be versatile. Um, and I feel like a lot of these guys, these younger guys, while you hear that they're solely focused on the graphs, I believe that they're a lot more versatile than than you actually would think. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. I think initially I, I was of the mindset like, Maybe maybe there will be uh, some skills that the younger guys are missing, but you know I think Pete and Ben brought it up earlier when we uh, in the year it was like the learning curve the gap is is a lot smaller than it ever was mm-hmm. where you know you guys growing up you have everything at at your fingertips if you can afford it and it doesn't mean that you're only glued to forward facing sonar and in fact while it may be a primary primarily a shallow water tournament guys are still figuring out how to catch the bigger quality fish offshore or using that technology even in shallow water situations so i don't necessarily agree with a lot of people thinking that the younger guys are going to be missing the ability to flip and pitch and all that stuff i just think they're using technology to their advantage right as you should in a in a competitive nature you got to pivot on that a little bit though because there are there are young anglers that are coming up that cannot fish shallow i can tell you right now because i talk to guys that run college tournaments that have marshaled young guys that i know for a fact there's a few anglers that if if something happens to their front graph they just put it on the trailer they won't even fish the tournament uh, because they don't have those skills and and it's not everybody i think i think what we're seeing like Will said, the guy, the true anglers, the 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 guys and gals at the top of the sport, high school, college, into the pros, are going to catch them anywhere. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter, like he said, six inches of water or sixty foot of water. They're going to figure out how to catch those fish. It's the because they put the time in and they learn. And I also think I can take anybody and in twelve hours teach them how to fish shallow. Like yeah. pitching, flipping to me is a much easier skill to learn than fishing deep now the skill the actual mechanics behind flipping pitching might take a little bit of practice but reading water fishing shallow you know visible cover sight fishing that kind of stuff i think is a lot easier to teach somebody than offshore like i focus on offshore and i still am terrible like i learned <laughs> I don't more offshore fishing last year spending time with you on the boat than i have like in the last three years trying to figure it out but I just I want to pivot that because I do think there are people that can't that can't do it all. But like Will said, the, the folks that are having success, him he's a perfect example. Like yeah. he can go to Wright Patman and catch him shallow, but then he found some fish and brush piles that he caught that, that you know maybe other people weren't messing with. So when we talk about that skill gap closing, I, you're not going to see many guys like John Cox. No. It doesn't matter the tournament. That dude's going to go catch him in the dirt on Lanier and finish in the top 10, something that I don't know if anybody would have predicted even in the fall, like <laughs> be able to compete to go yeah. catch those fish super shallow like that. Like that dude, not to take anything away from you might be like one of the most naturally gifted 
yeah. fisherman to, to, to grace the sport just with what he's able to do. But, but Will, as a competitor, do you welcome guys and gals that are coming up in the ranks that are not well-versed? Do you welcome that? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm open to fishing against anyone except Patrick Walters. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> No, that, that one right there should drive you. I, I say that, I say that because I would much rather as a competitor prefer you to only have a one track mind because you're going to self-select when it comes to competition, you might win one, but if you're not versatile, like you said, then it gives me more of an opportunity to, to take your money or your sponsor's money or whatever the case may be. And so I think that's what you'll see is I agree with you. I think there's people, it's just like anything in, in life. There's people that are pretty balanced at all things. And then they're really good at one thing. Um, but from a competitive standpoint, I want those people growing up only doing one thing because then you can go to Lanier and John Cox your way into the top 10 or will Harkins your way into second place or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's just, you're, it's really an unanswerable question, but like, I just think people are going to start self-selecting if they only have that mindset going through college and stuff. So, so well, you said at Saginaw, you didn't even turn your graph on, were you fishing for largemouth mostly down there? Yes, I was. So practice, there, I went I in, you know, practice, I was going to full on smallmouth, but that was my first trip up North and I'd never seen water that big. So yeah, I was I was sketched out running uh, <laughs> out through there. So I was like, ah, you know. So I went and found a backup plan and ended up running into a little area. I had all to myself all week um, and catch. You know, I could catch. You know, first day I didn't go out there just because of the weather. I uh, only had like 13 pounds. So the next two days I went out there and caught 17 a day. Um, just you know, six inches of water, swim jig, just jacking 50 fish a day. It was it was incredible. Um, so, you know, I, I love a change up like that. I'm not afraid. Like I said, I will gladly run up a Creek and go fish shallow and flip it off. I, I could care less if that's, you know, how the fish are going to bite, you know, I'll, I'll catch them. However, that, that that's definitely, we've talked about it on other shows. Like we want them to bite the way we want them to bite all the time, but you gotta, you gotta do what the fish are telling you. And, uh, so, so yeah, that big water can get sketchy. You know, Trey and I grew up up North and fishing that stuff. So like, I, I don't mind running way offshore if i have to but not in a job do you have any plans like to try to get up there it's kind of a hard sign of year during the off season but do you try to plan some trips up there to kind of get more comfortable in that bigger water uh you not know, really throughout the season know, I, or? I don't like doing a lot of pre-practice you know i know a lot of these guys would go spend a lot of time before off limits um all of the better events i had you know i just showed up and, and figured it out the week of because it's going to change um, so I do pretty much all my all my research mapping on Google Earth to kind of get a feel for the lake. Um, but then at, at the same time, I want to show up fresh mind um, and just go fish the moment. Um, you know, I don't want a whole lot of history. So for for uh, for this season, are you did you have a travel partner or a group of guys or a group of anglers that you that you stayed with or how did that work? Yeah. So the first couple of events I didn't, you know, I didn't, I was new, didn't know anybody. Um, but then I think starting from Santee, maybe Saginaw, um, two guys are room with Richard Key and Daniel Bagihi. Uh, both of them are, are fabulous guys, you know, like-minded. 
um, you know, it was, it was a ball hanging out with them and traveling everywhere. Um, and especially Richard now, um, Daniel won't be fishing next year, but Richard's coming back for another year. Um, so we are constantly bouncing e each other off ideas, uh, places to stay, you know, baits, things like that. So it's, it's awesome having someone you can kind of share a lot of things with too. Yeah. So are you like, are you big into, you know, uh, sharing, you know, information and stuff after practice is over or are you guys pretty tight lipped and Hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with, with Mr. Key, um, I'll share quite a bit. I'll share pretty much everything with him. Um, because you get a lake, like, you know, like a Saginaw, you know, it's massive. So it, it helps having two to break it down. Um, outside of that though, I'll, I'll, I'll be tight lipped. Mm -hmm. Has doc talk ever screwed you up before? Not on the not on the national side of things. Um, local sides definitely, because um, you know all the old men sit around and talk about all these big fish. And it's like, oh, I, I need to go try that day or do this, and so it, it definitely has. But uh, you kind of learn to to ignore most of that. Yeah. So hey, you come around here, it's all shaky head and rock. That's all it is. Shaky head and rock. Shaky head on the rock. <laughs> What color? I was, Black trick worm. I was on Bob's point. <laughs> so, you know, if, if you listen to us, and I hope you do, uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago we had John Cruz on. And, uh, who, you know, John's a well-respected angler, a steward of the profession for sure. Uh, but we were talking to him about Doc Talk and, and stuff like that. You know, and in his experience, you know, he got the pleasure of, of fishing against Kevin Van Dam, who played some of the best mind tricks on people. Is there anybody in the league, in your opinion, that plays mind tricks? Maybe not at the KVD level, but at the league level. Man, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't talk to a lot of people um, just to avoid that reason. Um, <laughs> Smart man. But, um, you know, you always hear the the Todd Goad. He, he's always on them everywhere he goes. <laughs> I got four things working, and we're like, "What in the world is he doing?" You know. Um, but you got you learn real quick, you know, just to just to throw that to us. I let him do his thing. Um, most of all, you just got to figure it out yourself. You're never going to uh, to you know catch other people's fish and and do what they're doing. Right, right. I mean, Todd. What was Todd lying though? <laughs> Todd was probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, Todd was probably. Yeah, not. he's probably on him. Yeah, it, you know it's funny. You know we all we all get influenced in some way by something, whether or not it's Doc Talk or you're out there on the water or whatever the case may be. But um, there are some intimidating personalities and in those yeah. are playing mind tricks. Now that you're going into 2024, you're going to have a significantly larger field than you were used to in the 23 season. So you guys are looking at around 130 anglers, give or take. Yes, sir. Yes. 130. Are any of those uh, guys coming to the league uh, that you know, or that you fished with before? Uh, so there's a handful of, of notable names from Bassmaster. You've got the David Fritz, uh, you know, John Cox, Patrick Walters, all these guys again uh, with a handful of new ones, uh, Wes Logan um, to name a few. So you've got some of those bigger names, um, there's there's one or two more college guys coming in um, or recently graduated college guys that I recognize from college. Um, but really, a 130 boat field doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, you know, the BFLs around here, you're looking at 150 to 200. 
So it's mm. as far as that competition level, um, you know, it's still going to be the same. Uh, it was awesome having the small field just because you could get to know everybody. Um, so it was really tight knit. So I hope we don't lose that with the 130. Um, but from the competition side of things, you know, it, it really doesn't change a whole lot. Not even having the 130 on day three, you think that makes a difference? So once again, it kind of depends where you go. Um, so the way I fish, I look for just stuff way off the beaten path. Uh, I, I will not fish community stuff. Um, so it, it probably will impact these lakes a little more. Um, but like I said, you've got all these 200 boat tournaments around here too. Yeah. So you just got to figure out a way to, to catch them either yeah. way. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing 130 boats and a lot of local, local tournaments like trails yeah. now it's with, you know, with the sport growing. So I, that, that was a good question though. Cause I was going to ask the same thing. Like if there was a change, because I, I think even college, you have cuts going into the championship day, correct? Where they, they shrink the field. So, um, I guess, yeah, like Lanier, I would imagine it wouldn't make as much of a difference, but you get on get on a lake that's fishing small, which, you know, they could run into with with the drought across the country and kind of the the water situation all over the place right now. Um, what uh what event are you most looking forward to in twenty four? Mm. I, I I love Hartwell. I've been there a ton of times. Uh, Spotted Bass Factory once again. Uh, I just hope they're a little farther along in May um, than what they typically are. Um, but that would probably be my my circled one would be Hartwell. Oh, of the because uh, I got the twenty twenty four roster pulled up and I'm I know you're kind of getting into that. What's the, what's the date on the May on the Hartwell one? So the Hartwell one is uh, May twelfth through the eighteenth. Yeah, that's kind of I yeah. mean that could be right in that transition window. For, yeah, for, yeah. So, so let's run down your your twenty four schedule. So and and we're not going to talk information because I think you guys are off limits yeah, now. Um, but Logan Martin, have you ever been there before? Once, once actually just recently. Um, and once again, spotted bass amazement. Um, you know, we went there for three days and caught, you know, 50 fish a day. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Okay. What, well, first of all, what's your favorite technique to catch spotted bass on? Mm -hmm. Winter time is by far my favorite time. Um, and we've got a variety of techniques that kind of, uh, we do a lot of bait testing here on Chatoog, especially in the wintertime. Um, so I've got several that, you know, you're not going to see many people throw if any. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, those are definitely some of my favorite ones. So that's why we, that's why we told you to wait till after the show. That was, perfect. <laughs> that was a perfect answer. My Listen to that. Nobody knows. <laughs> All right. So, so we talked about, so Logan Martin, Spotted Bass Factory, Hartwell, Spotted Bass Factory, Pickwick. You've been there because you guys, did you guys go there? Le no, you didn't Which go there. Pickwick? Which Pickwick? I thought there's only one. Oh yeah, there's only one Pickwick. Uh, you're thinking of you fall. I'm thinking of you fall. Yeah. Pickwick, Counts, Tennessee. You been there? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've been there quite a few times. Um, this last year for MPFL, that, that was the first time I've been there that early. Uh, most of the times I've been there, it has been that June, July period. Um, it was, I mean, that's offshore school fish, schooling yeah. schools of fish. So it's, I'm, I'm excited for that one too. That one's going to be tougher. It's a little later in the summer. Um, yep. so we'll see how that works out. Um, but I mean, offshore, I will, I will take it. Absolutely, man. Like you like deep cranking and, and dragging a big jig and Carolina rig and stuff. 
Yeah, some of that. Yeah, I, I hate a jig, um, but the rest Ooh. of that would be good. Dude, all right. I don't well, for hating a jig. Well, There's we'll, a lot of people that hate a jig. We'll, we'll talk about that because I'm not a huge jig fan. Well, I've gotten to really love jigs, but yeah, I'm. I'm then the you're, I think then they're going to Saginaw. Are you? Yeah. Gonna, are you going to go on the big water this year? You're going to absolutely. Send it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At least yeah. at least in practice. Um, you know, depending on the wind, if the weather's terrible, yeah. then there's no way. Um, but I'm going into that event a hundred percent dedicated to smallmouth. Yeah. I mean, those Northern fisheries, man, they get a break through the winter time for the most. Yeah. They get a break. Um, and that's just the beauty of the North. Like even if you're catching small fish, you're catching a bunch of fish up there. So you guys should have a great time. I think this is the third year in a row. Like you guys are going, they've gone to Saginaw every year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the only one that. Yep. And they said Paul and Brad told us they'll go there every year. So. Yeah. Great community, great hosts, and a uh, great body of water. And then you're moving down to uh, the land, Florida, for St. John's. Which is interesting. That's a Because I've talked to a bunch of folks about St. John's, including three people that have lived on the St. John's River, and they say, I've never seen a tournament go out of Delan, Deland or Deland or however you say yeah. it. So going out of a little bit of a less traditional Where's it at? Area, is, it, is it? It's more is it no south idea. of, um, yeah. Pa, what's the town called? Paluka, Palaka? Palatka. I'd have to look, but I Palatka. believe so. Palatka. Like it's way further than anybody really goes. So it's more towards the lake than it is towards Jacksonville? Yes, yes. I guess mm. so. So how have you been to, to St. John's and you probably have not been out of that part of St. John's? <laughs> I've been to Palatka. Uh, we fished a BFL regional there a year or two ago. Um, so that's definitely an interesting place. Um, you know, I think I finished 20th there at regional. So it was definitely, definitely a weird place at all. It's all depending on the timing. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I'd love to fish offshore, and sometimes that time of year in the river up there, you know, the shell bars will play, things like that. Um, so I'm hoping that's kind of it, but I have no idea where we're going out of either and how far of a run north uh, the area that I'm used to would be. Um, mm. So definitely interested to see exactly where the ramp is. Uh, I don't think they've released it yet um, to kind of see. No, just the town. Yeah, just the town. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a pretty good poke regardless from – from there to at least talking to the guys I know that, that have lived down there. Uh, Corbishly was one of them. We talked to Mike at Cashin on Saturday and him and I were talking about that one. He was like, yeah, I, I even called my buddies that still live down there. And they're like, nobody goes there. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be, it should be an interesting one, you know, a little bit uh, non-traditional and then close out the year on Lake of the Ozarks, which have you ever been, been on the Lake of the Ozarks? I have not. Nope. Okay. And I think that's an all three fish lake, right? They got largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. Yeah, they should, yeah. Yeah, that's Ben's neck of the woods. So I know Josh Watkins is looking forward to that. He's a Missouri Bubba and he uh he's ready to fish for those uh I guess all all three species. But so for for 2024, you guys gotta and and, and we've talked about it before, but the schedule allows you guys to reset and refit after every tournament because they're not they're not stacked up um against each other but you made the cha- did you make the championship for this year yeah yes so yeah. you so, so that's one thing we didn't talk about you're going to be treading down to amistad yeah yeah that's that's quite a ways from uh north georgia <laughs> so you haven't been to that one yet <laughs> you, have you been you have not been to that one <laughs> no sir nope i have not okay so what what do you uh like what are your thoughts on amistad 
Hey, I have no idea. Um, that time of year, I, I would guess that they are spawning, uh, but I I have no idea. Um, most of these lakes that we went to this year, yeah, I'd, I've never seen before. I think four of them I've never been to seen before. So I, I love figuring out new bodies of water. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, especially there only being 25 guys. Uh, mm-hmm. so that would be an interesting one for sure. Yeah. That'll be like a, like, like that nostalgia of having like a little club tournament, you know, obviously for far bigger purse, <laughs> yeah. um, in, in, in great company, but so 2024 is looking pretty bright, man. Who I know Patrick Walters is the guy you said you don't want to fish against, but if there's anybody on tour <laughs> that is, is the one that you're, that you want to beat down, who is it? Is it Patrick? Yeah. I, I it's all. Yeah. It's Patrick. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just for the sake of it being him. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I welcome any and all competition, you know, it's, it's going to be a tougher year. The talent pool is definitely a lot bigger than it was this year. Um, I feel like, um, but that in turn makes you a better fisherman too. So you may have a slightly more down year this year or, um, but you know, on down the road, that makes you a better overall fisherman. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that they've gone to the one thirty and excited to see some of the new faces. Yeah. You got a lot of faces from North Carolina. We were actually going, we were talking about it at cash and it's like, man, what is North? Yeah. It'll be empty. exciting when that roster comes out. Yeah. The There's end. like 18 North Carolina. <laughs> There's I don't a know what it is, but North Carolina <laughs> loves the MPFL. So, uh, are you, so as far as gear and stuff are concerned, are you, are you running a new boat this year or, or what are you looking like? No. So I'll, I'll be running the same boat. Um, I've got a, Z, a Skeeter ZX 200, um, most of this um, I'm paying out of pocket for, so I'm working for. Um, so, you know, I got to be economical with my funds. Um, so so I'll be running that boat again. Um, really not a big change up from this year um, with anything. Um, but, yes, same equipment, same stuff. Uh, new new wrap on it, new look coming um, soon, but. That'll be cool to see. Are you are you like me where if it's like if it's not broken, I don't need to fix it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. I like that. That's fiscally responsible, just to let you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think like I think I'd roll with the same gear if yeah. I had that year, my first year for sure. Yeah, I mean, your performance, <laughs> your stats showed it. Like, you know, why why change it? You know what I mean? So um, I'm definitely looking forward to 2024. I do, before we, uh, I have a totally off the wall question. If you guys don't have anything else on 24, go for it. So also you mentioned it, man. Like, why do you hate jigs? <laughs> yeah. I, it's like dragging around a piece of grass. Like it's. <laughs> that, might, that, that honestly might be. Yep might be the most perfect explanation of what a jig feels like when you're dragging a jig. I, I can't even argue with that. So yeah, dragging I, around, a pe- do, do you not fish them or do you just fish them when you have to fish them? No, I will fish them when I have to. I, I rarely, I think this whole year I've thrown it in a tournament once and that was at Ufala. Um, <clears throat> I, I could not get them to bite a shaky head or a drop shot or anything consistent. So I was like, heck, I'll, I'll try a jig, you know, and they ate it. And I was like, dang it. Yeah, that's the last <laughs> um, So I ended up catching probably three quarters of my fish that week on on a jig. Um, so that's, 
But outside of that, I did not throw one. I mean, you like a swim jig, though. Yeah, I like a swim jig. I like fishing fast. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't like slowing down much. Um, I love throwing a drop shot. That's about the only exception. Um, mm-hmm. Love throwing a drop shot. Outside of that, you know, I'm moving and grooving. Okay. You wait till you get one of them four and a half, five pound northern smallmouth on the old drop shot, and then you won't <laughs> care what the winds do. You'll be running out there. <laughs> so is is there anything? I mean, you don't like fishing a jig. Is there any technique that you just don't fish at all? Around here, we don't have any grass really, so That's I'm right. not very well versed in you know. I love to, I've been to several places. I love to frog and flip and all, um, but I don't know enough about grass fishing to feel real comfortable with it. Um, okay. So like Santee Cooper earlier this year, I caught several of my fish, finished third there. Uh, I had kind of two deals going. One was a drop shot and brush piles um, and some timber and such as that. Um, so that was a rodeo with, you know, six, seven pounders on a, on a little fairy wand. Um, yeah. The other deal I had was 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 the grass, and that was the first tournament I've ever really had to figure the grass out. Um, mm-hmm. But I almost treated them like brush piles. You know, there's isolated clumps. So, you know, I go throw a chatterbait over them or flip in them or something of that nature. Um, so definitely would like to learn uh, the grass fishing more. So that's probably a weakness uh, for sure. It almost seems like you. Like a lot, I think a lot of anglers, myself included, we overcomplicate a lot of like what we're looking at and we're like, man, it's grass. I don't really know the grass. And you're like, I'll just treat it like a brush pile. I know brush piles, right? If they're in it, they're going to eat pretty much the same stuff that I throw into a brush pile. Um, Now, of course, like tidal waters and, and things like that, or types of grass and aquatic vegetation, all that stuff. Sure. That plays a factor, especially when you get into grass heavy lakes, such as like Toho and stuff like that. Um, But do you think a lot of anglers just overcomplicate what they're looking at? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, fishing is, is not as, they're not quite as smart as we make them out to be. Um, Mm. You know, it's, we don't need all these color shades, all these different techniques and all, you know, stick with what's basic. Um, this year in total, I probably caught all of my fish on five or six baits um, at all of these lakes, um, you know, across the year. Um, so you don't need a hundred rods, a hundred different shades, hundred different colors. Hold on. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> got to have the rods. I mean, <laughs> You know what? You yeah. make me feel dumb, Will. You make. I mean, I, I've been I've been saying it, and I've said it on the show before. Like, if you if you go in my boat, I have a million soft plastics, like way more than I will ever need. But I have like five colors. You have green pumpkin, black and blue, something that mimics a shad, which is usually just white, and then I might have a June bug, and I always have morning, dog. and that's it. That is all you need anywhere in the country. You remind me. Um, I was listening to a. Uh, Todd Castledine and Andrew, I think uh, I think I was listening to this day, but a few days ago, Andrew's the same way. He's like, he's got, go to a new lake. I always go to little tackle shops. I find a, you know, like the baits they're using there. Then I throw a green pump. And Todd's like, he's like, Andrew's like, I was fishing you in time. I was like, man, I lost my structure. He's like, there's this down there. There's just a gallon bag full of all different colors. He's like, I don't just the one on there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we get way too carried away with like, uh, oh, man, this super swirl bluegill flipping bait's going to be the ticket. 
I mean, yeah, it looks great to us, but yeah, I've caught more fish on a green pumpkin flipping bait than I'll catch on any fancy colored one. And that's right. And uh, you're right. We, we give them way too, too much credit. We all do it. I mean, at, nobody mm-hmm. can say they do. It's like glide baits. Like everybody wants these big, fancy, super colored, like ultra real. And I have them like I, I do. And they're only, I, I've caught more fish on a blank one that hasn't been painted yet than I've caught on any of the fancy <laughs> painted ones that I have. Are you a glide bait guy? I'm not. No, I, I like in the spring a little bit. Um, I'm more of a mag draft guy. I, I don't okay. care for the glide. Okay, I've never caught a fish on a mag draft yet, but but I also haven't thrown them at all. Man, <laughs> there's something about the way they eat a mag draft. Yeah, Will knows what's up. It's yeah, like I was they just freight train that joker when they, yeah. they do. Yeah, it's kind of like an A rig. You know how when a fish hits an A rig, they just try to rip it out of your hands. It's the same with a with a mag draft. So they're usually bigger fish. Yeah. So so so, so the, for the folks watching and listening, you heard it. The professor himself said, "Listen, the algorithm is very easy. Stay simple. Don't overcomplicate it. You give them too much credit. Just catch the fish, right? That's all you need to do, right, Will? That's all. It's easy. You just gotta catch them." That's right. The last question question I have for you, and I will shut my trap. We talk about it all the time when it comes to uh, resiliency, mental, emotional resiliency, right? Physical resiliency is obviously uh, a factor, and and you dealt with that when you were sick during uh, one of the events, but that has a mental and emotional pressure on you as well. Are you one of those people that can get out there, and if you lose a big fish or something doesn't go your way, are you are you able to bounce back and just move on from that? Yeah, you know, it's you've got to. You can't sit there and sulk on it. Yeah, it it hurts in the moment, um, but that's fishing. You know, other guys are going to have the same thing happen. So I always reflect back to one moment before I even really kicked off into major fishing. Um, I was watching Brian Latimer on Lake Seminole um, when he won that tournament. And he yep. flipped in a piece of foil or something, hung and jumped off a giant seven or eight pounder. And he just looks and he's like, that was cool. <laughs> and so from that moment on, you know, I was like, that's, and he ended up going on to win the event because he kept his cool and just went and fished. Um, so every time something like that happens, I kind of flash back to that moment and just think, man, that was cool. You know, let's catch the next one. That's um, right. So you, you've got to keep that level head on you. Um, or else you will spin out. And there's been tournaments, you know, I don't have a fish at one o'clock. Um, and you've just got to just keep keep an open mind on things. It's, it's so easy. 90% of fishing is is the mental game. Um, 10% of it is the, the execution. Um, so if you keep your mental game right, uh, you know, you will, you will enjoy fishing with flying colors. When we start to overcomplicate it, um, and get down on ourselves, it's really easy to burn out um, and to start, you know, that that slow that slow train wreck uh, throughout the year. That's right. I am probably the greatest at spinning out of, yes. of anybody. I'm, no, I'm your, your dad is. Yeah, yeah he, well, that's what I learned from him. You know, <laughs> learned from the best. So. I, I definitely pre- appreciate, like, again, like Pete said, um, you're 22, but your mentality goes old guard. Uh, and, and I think I think that's really important for the younger uh, guys and gals trying to grow up and do this. There's so many people that want to do this. I don't know if they want to do it for the right reasons or they don't have all the calculations in place uh, to, to be able to do this. So 
you know, from, from you to, to all the listeners, like those are, those are words of encouragement. And, uh, hopefully people reach out to us like, Hey, to get in contact with you and stuff like, Hey, how do I economically break this down? How can I do this? Cause even if you fish the Toyota series and, and the BASS opens and stuff, that's a huge financial burden as well. And that's fish management as well against a larger crowd. Um, there's a lot of lessons learned in there. So, uh, good, good words of advice. And I, I definitely appreciate it. And with that, I'll turn it over to, to Ben and Pete. I've run my mouth. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you, when you started talking about me, lad, I knew exactly where you were going because I remember watching that video too, and I would have broke a rod if I was him, like, 100%. What, gone Ike? Oh, I would have I, I would have lost that tournament because I would have come unglued. But I don't have that maturity yet, I guess. So, He's it's, um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's refreshing to, you know, to hear somebody. and and But we hear from everybody that comes on here on the show that we've had on, you know, successful tournament anglers from the MPFL to guys fishing the elites and, and everything. And they, they're all the same way. It's like, you just have to reset. And I, I got a lot better last year doing that than I have previously, but, um, man, it's, it's just refreshing to hear, to hear, you know, we keep saying the younger generation, we're not that old, but you know, the up and coming anglers are, are kind of, you know, learning those lessons and, and it's cool to watch. It really is. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I'm just, I'm kind of blo- I'm honestly blown away, Will. Like young, a young guy to be that mature is is, yeah, is super impressive. It, it is super impressive. It was great meeting you down at Lincoln. Yeah, Mayor. I think we are, we are quite a bit older. I know. Uh, shut up, man. No, I mean so. <laughs> so yeah, I was school is what twelve years younger than me. Mm-hmm. But just the fishing has changed so much yeah. with the high school and the college, and the explosion of all the other tournaments now. Like there is. We weren't getting this experience no, the day. You absolutely know? And not. so, uh, right, to see Will, you know, so professional, so mature, but also, you know, so dedicated to the craft and to the sport and so so good at it, too. It's, it's yeah. phenomenal to see. So we definitely appreciate you you hopping on here. And I know as we're getting close to wrapping up, we always like like to give folks the opportunity to shout out anybody, any sponsors. So, yeah, absolutely. Wanna... No, thank you, guys. Um, you know, you, you touched on fishing for the right reasons. Um, and so that that's a thing that so many people overlook. It doesn't matter how many fish you can catch, how big they are, whatever. You've got to be there for the right reasons. Um, you know, and so in all these events, everywhere that you go, um, fishing is so secondary. Um, you know, it's, it's making an impact on on the kids who come up to you, on the communities that you you go and do outreach events to. Um, those are the relationships and the things that that truly make a difference. So when you're fishing not for the money, not for the fame, not for any of that, you know, fishing becomes fun again. Um, cause you're not, you're not stressed. Obviously, you know, it's, it is a financial burden, so to speak. Um, but all of that will take care of itself. If you're out there having fun, you know, and making an impact, um, that goes way beyond fishing. Um, so that's, that's the biggest, I guess, piece of advice I would give is, is to definitely focus on those, on those right reasons. Um, because without without the impact, without giving back to um, to the communities and to the guys, you know, fishing's just a bunch of guys going out there, you know, enjoying their day. You know, it's there's no impact there. Um, so I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, I think it's a it's an important message. Anytime a major event, whether it be fishing or anything else, mm-hmm. uh, comes to a host community that puts its resources against that organization and opens its arms uh that 
some form of legacy is left behind and you have no idea what that relationship could lead to in the future. Not that you're going out there to get money from somebody, but the way you treat another human being could open the doors that you wouldn't even imagine, right? And so I wouldn't be surprised if anglers in the MPFL who do those community outreach programs get those phone calls in the future. Just like Brad and Paul said, like those are the unsung heroes. Those are the things that the municipalities and things are asking about after the fact is like, why don't I see Will Harkins on camera? Like, where is he at? I want to see him again, right? And so th those are the influence things that nobody really captures. We're, we are stuck on the tournament results and the recap and who's hoisting the trophy, and we should be. Uh, but there's a lot of like underground news that's going on that not a lot of people know about. So it's on the anglers and, and the leaders and the organizations to, to highlight that because that that's right. That's the reason, right? Um, and not everybody has to have the same motivations. We're not saying that, but those who do have that motivation, like they are fishing for what I would consider the right reasons. So, Hey man, without, uh, without further ado, um, we talked about making it possible. Obviously professor Harkins has like the algorithm down on power BI or Excel or whatever you're using. Uh, but outside of that, uh, family partnership sponsorships, who do you want to give a shout out to? Yeah. Uh, so this year I was supported by a, a million local guys. Um, you know, that's where all of the funds came from. Uh, the chamber of commerce in Blairsville, miss crystal fairless there has been incredible. Um, helping me pursue this dream, uh, with just a, as much excitement as I am, uh, Mr. Clayton, um, with Heaven's Harvest and Cameo Fencing. He came along um, and he's uh, helping me out in 2024 as well. Um, so big shout out to him. Thank him for all that he does. Um, you know, State Farm, fam my family, most of all. Um, girlfriend, you know, she travels everywhere that we go. Um, just massive support from from the entire community um, of Blairsville and Hiawassee um, up here. It's, it's definitely been you know, eye-opening for me just to see um, the support and the help and, you know, everything. It's been, it's been amazing. For, for where all of our fans and, and all the followers can, can find you on socials, why don't you throw your socials out? We're going to link them in there too. Pete's going to link them to me specifically. Uh, but yeah, who are your, uh, what, what are your socials? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, uh, Will Harkins and Will Harkins Fishing. Um, Facebook, Will Harkins. Um, I've got a website, getfishingguide.com. So I run guide trips, um, Chattoog, Notley, Burton, Blue Ridge, um, all these places around here. Um, so that's pretty much uh, where I'm at. Awesome, man. You run guide trips. Yeah, Trey. What's your Chattoog trip? I'm going to, I will order a Chattoog trip on your credit card right now. Mine? Uh, <laughs> No, man, we appreciate it. Um, you're definitely a uh, professional with a passion that wants to leave a legacy behind. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on here. And uh, this gives us an opportunity to push your story out to our fans and our followers. That, um, and uh, it's not just a tournament recap stuff, but like we talked about, Will Harkins crushed him in 2023. We, uh, we see big things for you in, in 24. Um, we're ready for the professor to go up against the coach. So uh, looking forward to how you guys <laughs> battle it out. 
2024. We might have to make like little bobbleheads or something, and like <laughs> like you know, make I don't know, rock 'em sock 'em robots. That's right. Uh, that that just dated me right there. Um, but yeah, man, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to it. Like we said, hang on um, after we close out the show, and and we'll wrap with you a little bit, guys. You got anything? I just want to thank you again for coming on, man. I've been been super impressed. Yeah, yeah. no, thank you all for the opportunity. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we we love to have you on. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, been around this fishing and outdoors hunting industry for a long time, and I can tell you, you're going to go a long way uh, with the, just the way you are with folks and success success aside, which clearly you know you had going last year. You've had through the BFLs in college. Uh, just just your positive mental attitude and, and the way that you promote yourself in those companies is, is going to carry you a long way. So super excited to watch you continue to grow. Um, everybody, you heard him say his socials. They're going to be linked down below. Make sure you get throw him a follow, a like, a follow along with him next year on the uh, the NPFL. He tries to hoist one of those really sweet shields. I still mm-hmm. think they got the best trophy in all of fishing. Um, Make sure you check out uh, the sponsors he shouted out if you're in those areas and those those companies can help you, uh, you know, do any work and let them know that you heard uh, heard from Will, uh, you know, that they support him and you want to support them. Uh, like, comment, subscribe. Make sure you check out One Cast Fishing. Uh, get those last-minute jigs and uh, long neck hooks and all that stuff for Christmas. This is going to come out. You only got a week left to shop, so make sure you also go to carolinawatersnc.com and grab some of that gear. We've been talking about them. Both those are the code, the one cast, all one word to save some money. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that hoopla that we say every week uh, really does help us continue to uh, grow and bring you more stuff. Will, thank you again. Looking forward to uh, next year. We're going to be, well, we've got to talk. I either want to go to Hartwell because it's close, or I want to go to St. John's just because it's something different. So yeah. we're going to figure out what tournament we're going to come to next year. And maybe we'll end up at both. Hartwell's not that far. We could run down there just for the day. So uh, looking forward to seeing you next year. Uh, looking forward to following your growth and, and seeing everything that the, the sport brings you and that you bring to the sport. Trey, you want to close us out? Yeah, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, and, and like we always end with our show, let's continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day.